my pleasure to welcome you to the Clark Howard Show, where it's about you and that wallet of yours. I want you to learn ideas of me so that you can keep more of what you make. And you can follow me on Facebook at facebook.com slash Clark Howard. I got to give you a fair warning coming up in today's Clark Rageous Moment. There is a new payment service that may be being touted by your bank, but you need to avoid it like the plague. And coming up yet later, there's a consumer product that while many other consumer products are going down in price, I'm suffering sticker shock. I want to tell you what it is and what I'm doing about it to save myself money that hopefully will save you money too. So don't know how much this was on your radar, but last decade, a huge number of Americans had their money wiped out that they had saved because they were employees of Enron. And Enron turned out to be a giant criminal enterprise. Some of the executives went to prison, blah, 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 blah. But the employees had money overwhelmingly in Enron stock, like their 401ks were all Enron stock. They got wiped out. And that was such an important moment in how I talk about finance, options available at a place of work. And there's a question I'm asked a lot that is a real puzzler for me because a number of employers will offer a stock option plan for shares in the company you work for. And they'll tend to offer you a 15% discount on the purchase of those shares. Well, if you want to take advantage of that, that's fine. If you can afford to, and you buy the company's stock. I've participated in this kind of plan before in my own life where I receive company shares at a discount. And then after a certain point, the shares become available for sale. And in my case, whenever the time came that I could sell them, I just gave the shares away to charity because there's a double tax benefit to doing that. But a lot of people... When they work for a company and they have these stock purchase programs, believe so much in the place they work that they just keep that stock forever. And that's dangerous if too much of what you're depending on for your future is in your company's stock. I saw an item recently on MarketWatch about how employees of General Electric are suffering mightily and retirees from General Electric in their 70s and 80s are having to go back to work because so much of what they were living on in retirement was GE stock that is cratered. You know, you're doing too much, you're putting too many eggs in one basket if you both get your paycheck from a place and you get your future beyond your paycheck in the same place as stock. Because we believe more in the safety of our own employer stock because we feel like we work there, we know how things are going, and all the rest. An example of that today is that if you work for a utility company, a lot of people work for utility companies, load up on the utility company's stock. Historically, they're looked at as boring stocks. 
but the utility industry is going through massive change right now and turmoil utility companies even going bankrupt and so the conditions are changing because the sources of power are changing and more and more big companies are bypassing traditional utilities to get their own power from other sources so many industries over time are subject to disruption the real thing i'm trying to point out to you is that it's fine if you want to pick up some shares in a company's stock offering especially when you're offered a discount on the purchase of those shares but don't base your long-term future on buying and holding and having that stock is what you're going to depend on the money you have to live on in retirement should be well diversified in stock funds index funds where you own little pieces of hundreds or perhaps thousands of companies rather than basing your entire future on the stock of one company eric is with us on the clark howard show hi eric how are you doing I'm doing okay, but I uh, had some flashbacks from Enron there for a few moments, so thank yeah. you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I hope you weren't anywhere near Enron when they went bust. Uh, no, but I use it as an example in my classes for how not to do business. Yeah, isn't it just amazing? They were such a respected company in Texas, and they had a it was a baseball or football stadium had their name on it. And, mm-hmm. I mean, they were right. like a pillar of the community, supposedly, in Texas, and they were just a big criminal fraud. An important lesson for us all. Exactly. <laughs> well, Clark, I had a, a question for you, just kind of a curiosity, actually. So my policy has always been to save up money and buy something when I need it or want it once I have that money saved. And that's great for debt, but I, I thought of something the other day. If I was buying something like a television or an appliance and I'm offered 0% financing, should I take it even if I could pay in full? My answer is no. Okay. And I smile all the time when somebody says, isn't this great? I got this 0% financing. I don't have to make a payment for six months, a year, whatever. But you're taking on uh, what's known as a mono line of credit. You're taking on uh, a store credit. And store credit is looked at as trash credit. And often, you know, you're given that payment holiday of 6, 12, 18, 24 months or whatever. But a big percent of people don't get the item paid off in the payment holiday period. And on these monoline plans, interest is retroactive to day one, usually at somewhere between 25 and 35 percent. So it looks like a 0% doesn't turn out to be 0% at all for so many borrowers. So between the fact that it's not a good line of credit to get, because it can actually lower your credit score, and that it boomerangs in such an ugly way on so many people, I say just give up that temptation and pay for that TV. And by the way, if you pay for it with a credit card, do you know the big advantage, Eric? Uh, well, I have a couple of the credit cards you recommend, so I get a couple percent back. That's one advantage. So you get cash back, and with many of the cards, you'll get an addition on the manufacturer's warranty of one additional year of coverage. 
Oh, hadn't thought of that. Fantastic. So you know how they push so hard when you're buying electronics in particular to get that junky extended service contract, extended warranty? Well, you don't even need to listen to that. And if you're worried about that, with so many credit cards, you get an additional year free anyway. Gotcha. Clark, thank you so much. May I ask for one personal indulgence? Absolutely. I have two dear friends, Nick and Chelsea, who are getting married in a few hours later today. So Nick and Chelsea, congratulations, best of luck to you, and I love you. And Nick and Chelsea, I don't love you because I don't know you, but congratulations to you from me as well. Thanks, Clark. Have a great day. Valerie's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Valerie. Hi, Mr. Howard. How are you? Good, but Valerie, key rule, you got to call me Clark. Okay, I'm sorry. Hi, Clark. How are you? Wonderful. Thank you. Valerie, how can I serve you? Um, I am a single mother, and I recently just lost my job. Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm confused about the life insurance uh, thing, because I need to have something set aside. I want to make sure that my daughter doesn't get stuck trying to take care of me by, my, by herself. So I'm, I don't really understand term, whole life, what's good, what's right. I, it's, it's very overwhelming to me. Okay, so for almost everybody, what's known as level term insurance is the right choice. And all it does is it pays a, a benefit to your daughter in the event of your untimely passing. Okay. So there's no savings account. There's no investment account. It just pays a death benefit. And that's okay. the best thing for most of us because what you're usually looking for is that your survivor have money to live on in the event you're not here to do that anymore. How old is your daughter? She's actually 20. She goes to uh, UGA. All right. So she is. she's technically an adult, although... Adulthood tends not really to start now till somebody's in their mid twenties. But yeah, right. But anyway, you could name her as the name beneficiary, or you okay. could do something that, depending on how large a policy you're buying, where she could own a policy on your life, and that way you eliminate any potential tax issues. Oh. And so either way is fine. But, okay, but I'm more concerned sense. about what you said up front. How's the job search going? Uh, n- not very well. Oh, I'm uh, sorry. I was in the same position for uh, 14 years. So um, I actually, uh, she, I, was, I was a single mom, so she's in second grade. So okay. my whole focus was to make sure I could get her through school and off to college and then I didn't, you know, I just didn't expect not to be working at this point. Well, so. well, let me tell you the good news. Okay. And I know it, you're shell-shocked having worked at a place. Think about it. You stayed working at the same place through the extreme deep recession we went through, um, the Great Recession, as it was called, through the periods, years of huge layoffs, huge unemployment, and... In a terrible situation for you, the overall job picture is the best we've seen in a generation. Okay. So once, once you get over that shock, 
get out there because the job possibilities are the best we've seen in such a long time. Okay. So don't be discouraged on that part of it, okay? Okay. Let me go back to what you were asking about with the term life. So when you shop for it, you shop for it with an idea of covering the key years of your working lifetime. And I always hate to ask a lady this, Valerie, how old are you? I'm 52. It's fine. All right. So at 52, you would likely want to look at uh, maybe a 15-year level term insurance policy. Okay. Because that would cover you for the core of the remaining years of your, your most important work years. Okay. You could stretch it as far as 20, but the premiums go up appreciably as you have a policy that would cover into your early 70s. Okay. So a 15-year level term or a 20-year would be where you'd want to look. And all that means is that the premium stays the same over the 15 or 20 years that you own the policy. Okay. Which would provide the replacement of income you're looking for for your daughter. And by the time that policy would end, she would be... Uh, virtually in almost to middle age herself. Right. And so that would give you that peace of mind. Okay. But I would say that follows you being out there focusing all your energy on getting the new job. Okay. Oh, you're saying don't. I guess in my head I'm like, okay. And, And normally I guess it happens when you start experiencing death. So it's like three unexpected deaths in a row oh i'm and sorry then, so my mind just immediately turned to that sure being I, the road that i'm a single mom and i'm like oh my gosh she has nobody right what right I, I would doing? say i would say that you put that on your list to do right after you get your new job and then you know kind of what kind of income you're generating to support yourself and to provide help to her and as a general back-of-the-envelope thing, I would buy 10 times your annual income as the amount of life insurance that you would buy that would provide financial security to your daughter in the event of your passing. And I'm sorry about you losing three friends in a short cycle. Today's Clark Rageous moment is a real heads-up to you. I need you to be totally on focus and alert to mailers from your bank trying to pull the wool over your eyes and get you to sign up for a piece of trash called Zelle. Scams, ripoffs, outrages. It's a Clark Regis moment. The banks have been caught flat-footed by the enormous success of Venmo, V-E-N-M-O, and Square Cash that allow you for free to send money to a friend or family member. Zelle is something the banks have put out there to try to steal market share from these non-bank players. But unfortunately, the banks have not done a good job with security on Zelle and on customer service in the event that someone has a problem using Zelle. In an investigative report by the New York Times, person after person has had their money absconded with by crooks And the banks have said, tough on you. Both uh, Square Cash and Venmo have far more experience in this. They've thought about it. And they come from a perspective of looking out for their customers a way to grow. 
Banks don't really respect the customer. It's part of their culture. And that's why using Zelle is a risk. One other thing. There are a number of criminals trying to steal money from you with Venmo or Square Cash, trying to sell you stuff and telling you the way they want you to pay is with Venmo or Square Cash. Don't do it. Those payment platforms, as well as Zelle, should only be used to pay a friend or to pay a family member money that you owe them or you want to give them. But never, 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 not ever use these payment platforms to pay a stranger. And banks, get your act together when you want to try as a Johnny-come-lately compete with others. Great to have you here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's about your empowerment with knowledge so you can keep more of what you make. I have been distressed when I've gone to buy batteries of late because they have become so much more expensive. I mean, a huge increase in the price of buying double A's, triple A's, C's, D's, 9-volt batteries, and... I was like, what's going on here? Well, what is going on is there's been a change of ownership in a short cycle of the two big players in batteries, Duracell and Energizer, who were now both single product kind of companies. The two of them together, according to the Wall Street Journal, control 75% of the battery market. And instead of fighting out for market share, the two of them seem really happy right now raising prices again and again and again and again. So what have I done about it? I'm now buying batteries of brands I have never heard of or buying relatively not well-known brands. As an example, I was in Dollar Tree and I bought some Sunbeam batteries. And they're four alkaline batteries for a buck. They sell them in both AA and AAA. And so you're paying 25 cents a battery. If you go into the store and you even look at the store brand batteries in so many stores, you'll be paying a lot more than that because most of the store brand batteries are being made by, you guessed it, Duracell and Energizer. And so they're giving people a little bit of a discount from the very high prices on Duracell and Energizer. But the key is to go to these brands that are unknowns. We also have batteries in our house that are Tenergy brand. I, don't, I guess that's how you say it. I don't even know what that brand is, but that's what we've got. And I know there's a tendency to buy what's familiar, to buy a brand that you know. So let me give you an example of that. Amazon has become a big seller of batteries under the Amazon Basics label. The batteries are plain white with, I think, a gold and black lettering on them and stripes, whatever. And the Amazon Basics batteries or a category where you're cutting the cost of buying batteries in half versus buying 
Energizer, or Duracell. So know that so many other consumer products are steadily going down in price right now. They're getting to be a better and better and better deal. But batteries are an exception to that. And so many devices in our homes now take batteries more than any other AA and AAA. And so what you pay for them matters a great deal when you look at the math of them. And so Amazon, I, I think I had it right. Yellow, white, and black are the colors of the Amazon Basics batteries that come in a huge variety of sizes, and that's a way for you to save in addition to buying the UFO brands that I've been buying of batteries in order to save money. Wade is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Wade. How are you? Uh, hi, Clark. I'm good. Thanks for having me on your show. I appreciate it. Certainly. And Wade, you were headed to the Yucatan of Mexico, and you're a little nervous about that. Tell me about that. We are. We are. We're really excited, or we were excited, but my family, uh, we booked a group vacation for July. We were going to Cancun. We booked it back before the holidays and paid the airfare in advance, and the hotel we actually haven't paid for yet, but we've booked. Uh, they booked. They charge our credit cards on June 1st for that. But since in the last few weeks or a few months with all of the violence in Cancun, we're kind of nervous about the trip and wondering if we should go or if maybe we should just stay home and take the airfare as a loss, which isn't ideal. But I thought maybe I'd call and get your input on it. Well, the, the issue is one where they're worried about the potential of crime, violent crime, happening in, and I'll butcher the name, Quintana Roo, I think is the, I'm sure that's not how you say the state in Mexico, it's something like that. But but there has been a State Department warning put out that does not tell you not to travel there, but says, hey, you got to be aware that there's potential danger. And yeah. so uh, obviously going on a trip that the whole idea is to get away from it all and just enjoy yourself, this is quite distressing. Now, as far as the State Department warning levels, it's when one goes to level four that you really want to f- be freaked out by it. So okay. a travel advisory, and everybody has to make their own decisions about this, but a travel advisory like the one to Cancun, would not make me not travel, but what it would do was it would make me be much more cautious about where I go and what I do while I'm there. Are you staying at an all-inclusive? Yes, sir, we are. We're staying at one in the hotel zone. And based on what I've read online uh, is that the violence has been in the city of Cancun or kind of outside of the hotel zone, and if we stay there, then... You know, there, there really hasn't been much violence in that area, and that's what we had planned to do. Virtually, um, I mean, not any I've heard of. So uh, you've got to make your own call on this. But there's a recommendation I wanted to give to you and to others when you're taking a trip to a part of the world that may have some sketch to it. And that is, you know, most trip insurance policies will not cover you for a circumstance like this. 
You know, you would just, if you decided not to go, you'd just be out the money. But there is a type of trip insurance policy you can buy that allows you to cancel your trip for any reason. And so it for named reasons like an illness of a family member, a, a death, obviously, a number of circumstances, you're entitled to a full refund, but under an any reason clause, you're entitled to a refund usually of half or three quarters of your money. And so uh, yes, it's, so we actually did purchase travel insurance, and I read the policy last night, and this is not a covered reason for cancellation, so we would be out the, the airfare if we decided to do that. Now, with the airfare, you have the potential that you would have a change fee, but that most of the money or some amount of the money would still be available for future use. Do you know how much the change fee is on the tickets you've bought? On the airline that my family booked, it's $200 per ticket. Yuck. Yeah. Yuck. It's you know, half the cost of the airfare itself. At least you'd have... to use towards a future trip. But I was just there. I was just there um, three weeks ago. And I never felt, I was in Cozumel, not Cancun. I never felt a minute of discomfort or concern. And maybe I was being clueless, but I did not feel any. But again, this has to be your call, your decision. And I want to reiterate, when you do look at trip insurance policies, Wade, we already talked about yours, but for if you're listening to us and you're looking at buying a policy and you're concerned about what kind of events might happen in the world, a terrorist attack or something, normal trip policies do not provide protection. The enhanced ones that cover cancellation at your decision without a full refund, but 50 to 75 percent that's something that should be something you consider buying such a policy Stephen is with us on the clark howard show hi Stephen. hi clark how are you great thank you Stephen. how can i be of service today a couple of weeks ago i heard you mention some debit cards that work like credit cards and i tried looking for them online can you tell me where i can go to look for these cards it's actually the opposite It's credit cards that act like debit cards. Okay. And what they do is you have a traditional credit card, so you're getting the legal protections that credit cards get that debit cards don't, and you're uh, getting rewards if you get, you know, if you like getting rewards on a card, but you're never running a balance that you would pay interest on because the two products... uh, Debix and Debitize, they compete against each other. They're both free. And uh, Debix is D-E-B-X, and Debitize is D-E-B-I-T-I-Z-E. Okay. And with both of these, you set it up where they make payments for you um, on a regular schedule where the money comes out of your checking account, pays the bill, and then you have no balance due and so it uh, psychologically and practically makes a credit card, which is a far superior payment card, work like a debit card so that you don't end up in a trap of debt and having to pay interest. Okay, great. 
And so it gives you, you know, it'll have the effect of significantly boosting your credit score, too, by the way. Oh, okay. Didn't know that. So it's good all the way around. And I know at some point there might be some kind of hiccup with one of these, but we've heard nothing to this point, and I really like how they work and what they do. Okay, I'll check them out today. All right, you you have a great day. You too, Clark. Thanks. And Deep is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Clark. How are you doing? Wonderful, thank you. You got a question for me about another way of paying for things. Yes, actually, Clark... Uh, whenever any handyman do a job in my home and I give a check to him. So I always worry about because the check has my routing number and the bank account number and anybody can easily put a electronic fund transfer with the help of that information. So is this 100% correct. I want to, I want to emphasize what you just said in case anybody didn't follow that. When you hand a stranger, one of your checks, if they, happen to be a dishonest person they have all the information they need to empty your bank account by presenting electronic drafts against your account and so do you know when i write a check right never you never write a check i do not write checks you know i'll use electronic bill pay but everything i do i do either in cash or credit card because there's too much risk there's too much vulnerability with check writing and there there you identified a serious problem for people because you know somebody presents that draft against your account what happens yeah i thought there's any kind of a secure way to do it but unfortunately it's not so i will not cut it any more checks for anybody else. And do you have do sure. you have workers who come to your house that don't accept credit cards? They do, but they always ask for some extra fee or charges for that. So that's why I try to avoid. And when I ask them to pay cash, they prefer to take checks. So that's what okay. the reason I'm All right, so let's talk this through then. A um, couple of ideas. The service that's come to your home may have a website that you can pay right then and there right on the website while the technician is getting ready to leave your home if it's a very small business if you use a reward card and you pay that bill and you had to pay an extra let's say two percent or 2.5 percent you'll cover most of that cost and what you should earn back in rewards on the reward card you're using. That makes sense. But okay. giving well, somebody giving yeah. somebody you really don't know well one of your checks is a highly risky thing now. Because banks don't have any any meaningful security at all in place for presenting of drafts where people have taken the information from the bottom of one of your checks. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. 
You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget, giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company & Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's time for Ask Clark. That's where you post a question for me at Clark.com. Producer Joel asks it for you. Joel, who you got a question from? Clark, we got one from Chris. He says, I caught the tail end of someone asking you about selling your home online by taking pictures and sending them in, and then these companies send you a price for what they're willing to pay for it. What companies were you talking about? So this is rapidly spreading around the country, and none of these companies are nationwide but they keep adding more and more cities. OfferPad, Open Door, and Knock are three of them that are in the marketplace. I'm sure there are others that aren't on my radar yet. And what they do is they evaluate your neighborhood and your home, and they make an offer to you of what they'll buy your home from you for, and then generally... They want you out with the most common business model. They just give you your money and you're out of there. Um, And so with these plans, you need to know just as they're checking what would be fair market value on your home. Is it really? Because they're going to give you fair market value minus some where they make their profit. And you have to decide is the certainty worth it? and the price they're offering you relative to what your neighbors are getting for their homes, worth it. These uh, companies are most successful, and home sellers benefit the most in neighborhoods that tend to be more suburban with a lot of homes around them that are more uniform, more similar. This doesn't tend to work as well in older, long-established neighborhoods with a great variety of home styles, sizes, and construction. All right, Patty says, my husband and I both have 401ks from old jobs and that we left them there. How do we find them now that it's been 10 years has passed? So if the companies are still around, you can contact the companies and find out who their 401k administrator is. You might even be able to find that online simply by putting in the name of the company and next to it 401k and... Uh, If that doesn't work, though, direct contact with the company will almost always work. If they're a publicly traded company, very easy to find out who their 401k administrator is. All right, Rosa wrote in and said, is Publishers Clearinghouse real or fake? The real Publishers Clearinghouse is real. The problem is there are all kinds of people using the name that aren't them and running any of a number of cons And so be very, very wary, very careful, because there are so many fraudsters out there. Huge problem for Publishers Clearinghouse. In fact, if you go to their website, read their briefing about the fraudsters. You're listening to The Clark Howard Show. If you've enjoyed listening to this podcast of our show, I'd love it if you'd subscribe. Whatever your favorite podcast app is, we're pretty much there. And whether you love what you hear from me or hate it, take time to write a review. It's how we all learn from each other is from those reviews. 